So the driver fell asleep. He accelerated. He was he hit the back of an army trailer. So yeah. So then I before I knew it, I couldn't move. My phone fell on the floor. I was saying all the bad Chinese words to the uncle, and then <laughs> put into the ambulance. Went to the hospital. Doctors went like, oh, uh, you may not be able to walk anymore. And at that time, I was a model and all that. I'm like, oh, I haven't taken my mom to Paris. I don't know why Paris, but like Paris, like <laughs> you're gonna die and still think about going to Paris? Kidding me? But yeah, <laughs> so I was thinking of Paris and mom and stuff, and that's the motivation I needed at that time, I guess. Um, so yeah, that happened. But and then before, as we were entering the operation theater, also I remember doctor said, even though with the operation, 95% of chance you'll not be able to walk anymore. So imagine the damage done. Welcome to Screwed Up Moments, the podcast where it's okay to fail and it's okay to try again. I'm your host, Danny. What is happiness to you? Why is happiness important? What is something you truly care about? And how does that bring you happiness? These were the questions that I had to fill up for a survey I did recently. And to be honest, I didn't really know what to say. I mean, what is happiness really? A feeling? An activity? A dream? Is it as simple as joking around with your friends, or does it have to be something more significant, like your life's purpose or some grand ideal? When I was sitting there in my bedroom and staring at the survey page, it was really kind of frustrating because to me, happiness just seems like the kind of thing that people should always be thinking about, right? Like something that gets you up in the morning or that keeps you going. But then what makes it worse is that after posing these same questions to some of my friends, they didn't know what to say as well. Most of them just said that they never really thought about it, while some just told me that they were too busy with their own lives to consider these questions. And I don't know, I just find that kind of sad. Fortunately, however, I do happen to know when people think about their happiness seriously. You see it all the time in the news, you watch it in documentaries, you read about it in books, and it's basically the familiar story of someone who encounters some life-changing event and who then goes on to have some life-changing epiphany where they recognize the error of their ways and spend the rest of their days leading meaningful, fulfilling lives. These stories often come from things like a near brush of death or the passing of a loved one, and for the purposes of this podcast, could probably be classified as a screwed up moment. In this episode of the Screwed Up Moments podcast, we are going to be exploring one such case with the story of Zai Mystique, someone who was told that they could never walk anymore. Hey guys, this is Zai Mystique and this is my screwed up moment. Don't mind me, I'm a motivational speaker. I thrive on fun, learning and growing. You want to know everything? <laughs> okay, sure. Funny, huh? 
It's funny now lah. That time was so funny. <laughs> Meeting Zai for the first time can be quite an overwhelming experience. She is warm, vibrant, full of energy, and maybe because of her work as a motivational speaker, is also always prepared with some positive messages or words of wisdom. And this is perhaps a result of her early involvement with entrepreneurship, which began as young as 17 years old. 17, oh God, I, I had the best time of my life because I went to a poly and I chose that particular polytechnic because there was a makeup artist club. <laughs> and I love makeup and I knew in the second year I wanted to be the president of the club so knowing what you want is so powerful like it manifested I became president of the club and I was introduced to henna art or rather I introduced henna art to the club like to the school so whenever there's events all the other CCA groups will like look for us for makeup henna, body art and stuff and that's when I started my first company Mystic Henna and Body Art So that was one thing that led me to into the train of entrepreneurship. So Mystic Handle and Body Art happened and that's where I met a friend who said, oh, why don't you bring this art to Japan? And then I ended up in Japan. It was supposed to be a two weeks stay. Uh, I got interviewed by a radio station, Tokyo FM, uh, magazines and stuff. And then of course, I stayed there for six months. I was doing henna art, teaching henna art to the Japanese without knowing the language. But anyways, I picked it up. Within a month, I was speaking Japanese and yeah, I was so fun, 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 fun. So when I came back to Singapore, of course, you became the foreign talent. <laughs> Then the, me- <laughs> the media picked up the story and like, oh, two Singaporeans brought henna art to Japan and then suddenly we became like this celebrity henna artist. So it was so fun. It helped the business a lot. So we had like bookings two years in advance. So Hannah became like body art, nail art, face painting. Um, I, we was we were supporting events companies a lot. It was so fun. And yeah, if you hear the word fun, it was really 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 fun. I, I thrive on fun, learning and growing. So yeah, ask me questions. <laughs> However, Zai wasn't always this way, and for the period before she was 17, things were definitely not too fun and exciting. Let's start with childhood. I think this is something that I am currently working on. So I always, when I have experienced something fun in life, I always go like, oh my god, this is so fun. It reminds me of when I'm 17. I always say that for the longest time. And then I started questioning myself like only two months ago, like what happened between 0 to 16 years old? So I, I, I actually do a lot of self-reflection. I speak to my siblings. Like, what happened? You know, like, what's the missing thing? So then I realized that as a child, I, I mean, I look mixed, right? I, I'm Indian. But when I went to school, I was always called, the Malays would call me Indian, the Indians would call me Malay. And I'm like, eh, who the hell am I? You know, like, I have this lost identity, identity crisis at five, six, seven years old. So I just hang out with the Chinese, which wasn't that bad, lah, right? <laughs> And then, um, so I grew up with that uh, identity crisis. And then as a young kid, I think uh, my dad left and we, I was one. And as the youngest of six, I always felt like uh, I wasn't loved. Like, why would he leave me and all that? So there was that sad story in my life that I felt like I'm helpless, worthless. And having graduated from my psychotherapy and counseling course recently, I learned this third term. I've always heard of health, helpless and worthlessness, but lovelessness... Deep. And I'm like, oh, so I grew up feeling helpless, worthless, and 
I don't deserve to be loved. And it's interesting because I always talk about self-love, appreciating, respecting, trusting yourself. But that's like 17 years old onwards. Like, but what happened before that? And although Zai went through the exciting period of traveling and growing her henna art business, the reality underneath the surface told a different story altogether. But I knew I was very unhappy with then. It was fun on the outside, like I was having a business, I was traveling, I was doing what I love and I had friends and everything. But there was this annoying pain in the soul which I didn't acknowledge. I was like, it's nothing, it's just me and my emotion, it's nothing, you know, it's nothing, it's nothing, right? That's when I think I had a sign to take a break. But because I didn't take a break, God had to pull the jam break and I had to break the spine. Funny, yeah? It's funny now, lah. That time was so funny. <laughs> yeah. I'm just curious, could you, like, uh, if, if, if you don't mind, describe what happened that day uh, and the During accident. the accident, yeah. so I was in a car, uh, the driver fell asleep. I was in a cab actually. The driver fell asleep. It was not, luckily it wasn't like the time when I come back from clubbing 4am. It was 4pm. I was on my way home. Um, I actually called my mum. Mum, I'm very hungry. Can you put food on the table? Can you imagine? I never made my way home. For three weeks later, then I went back. was crazy so I uh, so the driver fell asleep he accelerated he was hit the he hit the back of an army trailer those trailer that carries army tank so yeah so then I before I knew it I couldn't move my phone fell on the floor I was saying all the bad Chinese words to the uncle and then (laughs) a friend she's quite lucky she didn't break any bones but she had like some tendon torn and stuff but the blessing was she was the one who put on the belt for me even before the whole thing happened like I was on the phone you know you don't use your belt and thank god because I think without the belt I cannot imagine what would happen but with the belt that's why I broke my spine because of it's they call it a whiplash injury I was put into the ambulance, went to the hospital, doctors went like, uh, uh, you may not be able to walk anymore. Uh, then they went through all the CT scan and scans and whatever. And in my heart, I only knew that I have to stay alive because my mom needs me. And at that time, I was a model and all that. I'm like, oh, I haven't taken my mom to Paris. I don't know why Paris, but like Paris, like, <laughs> you're going to die and still think about going to Paris? Kidding me? But yeah, <laughs> so I was thinking of Paris and mom and stuff. And that's the motivation I needed at that time, I guess. Um, So yeah, that happened. But And then before, as we were entering the operation theatre also, I remember doctors said, even though with the operation, 95% of the chance you will not be able to walk anymore. So imagine the damage done. So I, I want to just uh, zoom in on the, 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 the moment where, you know, you just had the accident, you were sent to the hospital and right. the doctors tell you that, you know, there's this 95% chance that you cannot walk again. Uh, what was going through in your head when you heard this? 
Honestly, right, at that time, I was like, what did I think? Uh? I'm like, whatever lah, I'm in pain uh, just do whatever first. Yeah, 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 that's exactly what I said. Yeah, 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 yeah. that's what I said. I was like, whatever, just operate first, later can talk. Like, I was in pain, just do something first. Later, if I cannot walk, then we find ways to do something, I guess. I But I was in so much pain. Of course, man, like, fractured, dislocated your spine. I had, like, fractured ribs. My left toe was, I don't know what happened. I, it was crazy. You know when you fracture your rib, right? You can't even cough. Worse still, when you have funny family members, they make you laugh. You cannot even laugh. You're like, ha, 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 ha. it's like, <laughs> so spastic. But yeah, <laughs> literally, you cannot cough. But I was, I think, one of the rebel patients. Like, after, I was on self-control morphine and all that. But within a week or two, I was like, no, I want to get up. I want to go to the toilet myself and stuff. So they were like, okay, why don't we send her to the physio? So to transport me from the bed to the wheelchair, I can't recall, but I remember when I reached the physiotherapist, I was on the wheelchair, and then the doctors said, stand up. And I was like, uh, how do I do that? <laughs> I didn't know how to. And the moment the nurses helped me, two nurses, and then he's like, okay, now try walking. And I'm like, how do I walk? At that time, it was so scary because like, I used to model, right? And all the catwalk and transgressing on God's earth, like, I call it. And at that time, I'm like, wow, I don't even know how to walk. And then the nurse said, you have to swing your hips. And I'm like, okay, fine. So <laughs> literally, I had to learn how to catwalk again in the hospital. <laughs> Yeah, and yeah, it was tough. I was on medication and stuff. But like I said, um, TCM, acupuncture, uh, kind doctors, supportive friends, family um, helped me. And most importantly, you have to have the will to get up and move in any situation. You cannot have that victim mindset forever. It's okay to embrace emotions. Like when I recently just lost my mom, I told myself, it's okay not to be okay, you know. It's okay to embrace emotions. You have to embrace emotions. Don't uh, put it aside. You have to embrace it. Acknowledge it. Uh, be grateful about it. Uh, forgive yourself. Forgive situation. Forgive people. And then move forward. But yeah, give yourself time to heal and yeah. And so that was Zai's life-changing event. In her words, a quote jam break on the hectic, fast-paced lifestyle that she was leading before. And in retrospect, when I think about the struggle that I had with answering the happiness questions, perhaps what was missing was that jam break. I'm not saying that we should go and get into car accidents, of course, but more about taking a break from our busy lives and setting the time and space to consider these important questions seriously. Mm. Were, were, there, were there any moments where you know you really felt like you were going to give up? Because it seems like you're very hopeful now. I was just wondering. I the, think... Uh, uh, yeah, too, too too good to be true, is it? <laughs> I think like uh, I think when I got bored, like after four months, five months, staying at home doing nothing, I'm like, is this life really? Um, then the emotional part, like I have friends and everything still around me, but I'm like, hey, how come before accident and after accident, your life still the same? Like nothing changed. Like cannot be right. That's when I started questioning my purpose of being, and then I was like, um. I was thinking about this thing as well like when did things change for me transform for me to like take massive action I think almost um, five years into the accident 
I have never shared this before. This is the first time I'm talking about this. I thought it was one year when I said victim of Victor. But it was five years later when I said, hey, enough is enough lah of all this same com- conversation, same environment, same mindset, same people. Like, I need a change. That's when I decided to travel and live for Jordan to learn Arabic. But I was running away lah, literally, to go on an inward self-discovery. Yeah. Accident to walking again was about six months. Like when I go out I wear the neck guard Especially because I want people to know Hey there's a patient near you Don't come near me Like don't hit me or something I have fear And Yeah even after the accident Like only last weekend I started to Hold the wheels again I haven't driven for 15 years Like I just drove for 30 minutes Last weekend And I'm like Wow This is good <laughs> Yeah Can you imagine Like one incident There were moments You're like Oh my god Why am I on earth I think I'm blessed lah. I didn't have to worry about food on the table or shelter or bills, right? I think that uh, helped me at least maintain my sanity. But I got bored. That's why I said, oh no, I cannot. I'm so stifled. I need to get up and do something. So that's when I started my online business. Then I saved money. I traveled. So the last day, last week in Yemen, that was when I said, hey, I ran away for so long. We've spent so much money, but I haven't found the answer to why I left the country, right? That's when I got a message. Serving God is in serving His creation. So came back and that's when people started questioning me. Hey, how do you travel? How do you do this? How do you do that? And all that stuff. And then um, that's when I said, okay, maybe I should write a book. Also, maybe, of course, that would have been a procrastination or just an idea. But when uh, this lady on my Facebook, she wrote to me um, on Facebook, like random, a stranger. And she was like, hey, sis, can I speak to you? I'm like, sure, let me call you. We spoke and she went like, within 10 minutes. She said, Zai, thanks for speaking to me. I was just thinking of committing suicide and I feel better now. And I'm like, you kidding me? While stories in the media tend to emphasize on those life-changing moments and epiphanies, Zai's story shows us that it is definitely not a guaranteed outcome. Real change takes time, effort, and a whole lot of commitment. Your life doesn't change just because you've experienced a major setback, and those epiphanies or revelations don't come automatically. There's a lot of soul-searching involved, where you have to be honest with yourself and find the courage to confront your own problems. And even if you've done all of this and you figure out your true purpose in life, actually doing something about it is another matter entirely. Zai herself admitted that she had difficulty and procrastinated during this part until she received a catalyst in the form of that Facebook message. I didn't say that lah. I was like, oh, don't worry and everything. But when I hung up, I'm like, okay, I need to do something real right now. This is really God's calling. So what do I do? So that's where the books came about. And then the speaking engagement came about. That's where I'm doing a lot of training right now. Um, coaching, mentoring, challenging, dealing with human beings. But yeah, I never give up. They're very interesting. I, I Right now, I'm doing this. Uh, so I work with women first and then I realize, oh, our boys need help too. So I do a lot of youth leadership training. Then I move into the space of I'm working on corporate training. Then now I'm doing this special project, Motivational Talk for Parents. I realize that our dear parents are super helpless, clueless. Some are very mindless. Like, they are just guessing game. While I was trying to grasp the meaning behind Zai's story, I came across something that I thought was rather appropriate, namely the psychological concept of post-traumatic growth. 
This was first coined in 1995 by the psychologists Richard Tedeschi and Lawrence Calhoun, mainly as a way to describe the phenomenon of how some people experience positive change resulting from the struggle of major life crises. These were people who have survived serious injuries such as brain damage, paralysis, blindness, and all the pain and hardship that comes with it, but who nonetheless went on to experience long-term positive changes in their lives. While Tedeschi himself readily admits that this concept is ancient and has been prevalent in almost all cultures, he notes that the focus is not really about the traumatic event itself, but rather about how the event becomes the driver for positive change. In his own words, post-traumatic growth is the process that comes after the traumatic event. Now what strikes me about this idea is how similar it is to the quote by Julie Ip Williams that I introduced in the first episode of the Screwed Up Moments podcast. Julie was someone who was born blind, who experienced many hardships in her life, and who would eventually succumb to colon cancer in March of 2018. Before she passed, she left a message for her two daughters, and a portion of it reads as such. Quote, As your mother, I want you to feel the pain, to live it embrace it, and then learn from it. This is my challenge to you, my sweet girls, to take an ugly tragedy and transform it into a source of beauty, love, strength, courage, and wisdom. The meaning behind Zai's story, then, is precisely this transformation. Um, so when I ask myself, like, who am I? What's my purpose? Why didn't I die? I have to move from victim to victor. Another thing that I learned was, all of us have a mess that could be a message for the masses. That statement kind of changed my life. Now I advocate for people to turn their pain into power. But you must be very aware, la. you cannot just speak based on surface knowledge. You really need to look deep down, study the root cause of the problem and authentically share. Because when you are authentically sharing, it really moves mountains, not just people. Like hearts are right? more harder to move than mountains, but you really, really, really move hearts. And that's when they will step up to take action. accident to me is a blessing. I said, I cannot imagine what my life would be without the accident. <laughs> Crazy. <laughs> right. But it's the truth. I cannot imagine. I was partying. I was hanging out with all the friends that I are not in my life anymore today. I don't use that same language patterning. Um, I'm still hippie, free-spirited, but uh, more zen, more grounded and there's, yeah, there's more to life than what we think it is. Well, I have my moments. I'm human. When I'm tired and sick of people or even myself, like, I go for walks. I cannot run, unfortunately, but it's okay. I'm too lazy to run. Uh, <laughs> I swim. I run to the sea a lot. Like, I thrive, thrive on vitamin C, S-E-A. Um... Yeah, I read, I try to read, I watch lots of videos online. Of course, lah, right? you love your phone, better use it wisely, learn something every day. <laughs> I 
if you feel like there is no hope actually you are very blessed because if you take a blank canvas a drawing block that is how your life look right now blank you feel trapped you feel whatever but i learned this that if my life is empty and i feel lousy and i don't care if i'm a two times amazon best selling author global speaker or whatever anymore like it doesn't make sense so what i've said this to myself then i ask myself how will that new blank slate look like if it means i have to work in mcdonald's and flip burgers and that makes me happy i will do it i'm not a global speaker for life So I say if I choose to not do what I used to do and I have a blank slate I can rewrite my life who said I'm trapped I can redesign my life who said I'm trapped and I think now I want to cry that is the biggest lesson and the best gift I think I I realized that you have a choice yeah I think that's it And so with that brings the end to today's episode. Thank you so much for tuning in and much thanks to Zai Mystique for sharing her truly incredible story as well as all the positivity and words of wisdom. If you want to get in touch with her, you can do so through her social media pages on Facebook, Instagram or LinkedIn. I will be leaving the links in the episode description. With that being said, the Screwed Up Moments podcast is brought to you by the Singaporean Social Enterprise Happiness Initiative, an organization that advocates for happiness and well-being through their message that happiness can be a choice. Production and editing was done by me, Danny Cordy, on behalf of Fable Productions, with assistance from Clarissa Wemple and executive producers Simon Liao and Sherman Ho. Music used throughout the episode was from Blue Dot Sessions, and the theme song was composed by Rico Low and Julian Law. If you enjoyed listening to the Screwed Up Moments podcast, you can help the show out by sharing it amongst your friends, or by subscribing and leaving a rating and review on iTunes or wherever you listen to your podcasts. Otherwise, if you have any other questions, suggestions, feedback, or if you have your own screwed up moment story to share, you can drop us a message through the email sumsgpodcast at gmail.com or through the various social media links in the description. Once again, this has been your host Danny for the Screwed Up Moments podcast, reminding you that it is okay to fail and it is okay to try again. <laughs>